Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. This is Tyler Chisholm and I'm excited to be here, as I always am, with my guest today, Mr. Jeff Jameson. Morning, Jeff. Good morning. So if you haven't had a chance to meet Jeff, I'll venture that if you if you do live in Calgary, if you don't, well, you should make a trip. But if you, if you live here and you've been around the downtown area at all, you've possibly enjoyed one of... The, the impact Jeff's had on our culture from a uh, food and drink perspective. Jeff is one of the co-founders of Vine Arts, I believe was the first one. Correct, yeah. Proof was the second. And then most recently, I think in the last kind of 18, 24 months, was Donna Mac. Donna Mac, yeah, and a second Vine Arts, yeah. Oh, that's right. Second Vine on 17th Ave, I think. Is that's that what right. That's right. Fantastic. Um, maybe just for anyone who's not aware, haven't had the privilege to go into one of your facilities, maybe just walk us through, talk a little bit about each one of them, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, sure. So Vine Arts, uh, and I should say that uh, Jesse Willis, my business partner, uh, we're co-owners um, and share the load. Absolutely. Teamwork makes the dream work. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Vine Arts, we started in 2012. Um, we were uh, looking to kind of casualize to a certain degree at that time, the the wine and spirits retail experience in Calgary. Okay, was, how do you mean um, casualized? Too uptight? So, too yep, many barriers? Absolutely. At that time, <clears throat> it was very. Uh, there was a big barrier to entry. I think for people who didn't know much about uh, wine, in particular, the intimidation factor. Intimidation factor, and I think it was uh, pretty evident in the places that we were working. Uh, and I think that we saw that a lot of our success, just as like retail salespeople on the floor, was that ability to casualize it get people to relax uh, and to not uh, be intimidated by what they were looking at. Uh, we'd done the homework, you know, they didn't have to worry if they just let us know uh, what they liked, what they appreciated about wine, what they wanted to try, then we could find something for them. And uh, that wasn't, that kind of casualness wasn't really happening in the market. So we wanted to create something that was like, not necessarily, I think people f- look at it and say it was geared towards a younger audience Vine Arts, which it naturally kind of did uh, attract okay. a younger audience, but it was really geared towards just like opening something that we felt was cool. And uh, that I like that. that. I wanted a place that I was, I thought I wanted to go. Exactly. And <laughs> being a little and, selfish is okay with those type of things. I think it always works out, right? Because it's going to be the place that you're going to be spending quite a few hours in. I would imagine when you start. So uh, being comfortable in it is important. Uh, but also that was uh, a kind of appealing to a, a, a less pretentious, uh, and, and more relaxed uh, aspect uh, around wine sales. And so it kind of grew out of that. We were, we were initially going to be a um, neighborhood kind of boutique wine store that had like some spirits and beer for you to kind of grab off the shelves. Okay, but wine was the primary driver. Wine was the primary okay. driver. By the time we got it open, uh, the, the cocktail thing started to blow up in, in Calgary, in Canada, uh, across Canada, actually. It was already kind of a big thing in the States at that time. And so mm-hmm. we noticed people coming through the doors. This was uh, early, like 2010, 2012? 2012, 2012, yeah. yeah okay. Early 2012. Uh, asking for um, a lot of, coming to us for a lot of unique spirits that we had, that we liked, and saw that that was an opportunity. So we kind of grew it uh, on that end, too, in the, the high-end spirits and vermouth and amaros and cocktailing goods, uh, kind of came naturally as part of the process. So, okay. Yeah. That was uh, the, so wine was it. And were you, were you a sommelier? Were you just a wine Jesse enthusiast? Jesse is. Jesse's Jesse, a sommelier? Jesse okay. actually taught sommeliers. Like, uh, so he, he oh, was, the teacher of the, of the, of the yeah, experts. Okay, so he's right a psalm as well, but he, he was teaching um, before that. Um, yeah, no, I'm just a big fan of booze. That's cool. That's all right. That's all right. Well, we'll get into a little bit past history and career. And did you, did you guys know each other? Did you just meet and kind of come together on this thing? Or did you guys know each other for a while? No, we had met uh, a few years prior, I guess. Uh, I started working at BIN 905 part-time when I entered uh, oil and gas, actually. Oh, okay, okay. Um, just to kind of stay on the hospitality side of things and, and 
stay close to wine, stay close to okay. food and wine people. And I met him there, and we worked Sundays together. So Sundays were slow. We would spend a lot yeah, of time. Yeah, lots of time to hang out, talk about. Chat what, yeah, about, yeah. yeah, taking over the world. And we did. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So that's where that came from. Um, and then I guess, so we opened that in 2012, March 2012. Um, and it was immediately successful enough to survive, <laughs> which is okay. all you can ask for. Absolutely. As an entrepreneur, like if, yeah, if you can keep the doors open and, and it's working, you're gold. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was a lot of long hours for both of us. I was still working uh, a regular you know, nine to fiver at that time. And then I would go relieve Jesse at around five o'clock and close the place down every day. Um, so there's three of us. We had one part-time person. Well, no, I guess Aaron was working almost full-time and then Jesse and myself. And that was the first about seven or eight months. Okay. And then we started to bring on some more staff. Um, started and to work, boards started to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. And it started to uh, grow at that point. And uh, yeah, if I guess flash forward to about a year and a half later, and we were like, okay, this thing's actually working, um, which was great. And uh, that location's still very strong. I think it was a key component to helping revitalize that area. First Street, yep, yeah, kind of between street. 17th Ave and 12th. Mm-hmm. For sure. We were, uh, along with Brendan over at Taste, there really wasn't much else going on. PJ mm-hmm. had um, uh, St. James Corner there, the pub. Yep. Uh, uh, and Hotel Arts was trying to kind of cycling through some different uh, concepts, but the you know they were having problems. But yeah, we were, I think, one of those uh, first three or four concepts that actually stuck there. And you think about it, it's not that long ago. That was a, that was a, I'm be blunt. It's a pretty sketchy little stretch there. Yeah, it was. Oh, I, well, I lived like, in compared the to what it is now. Like it's you yeah. go there and it's comfortable and it's there's lots of great. There's lot. There's more than one place to go there now. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and more coming down the pipe. Right, like right. Uh, it's uh, every day. Uh, something else is popping into that neighborhood. So it's good. Um, yeah. So that was, that was Vine Arts. And then, I mean, the second location opened up uh, in November of 2017. Okay. Yeah. So, so be two. Yeah. So just a year past last yeah, fall. Yeah, yeah. It'll be uh, two years old. Was it 2017? Yeah. 2017. <laughs> it all blends together. <laughs> yeah. No, no, 20, 2016. It was 2016. That's oh, right. Okay. So you're a yeah. couple years in. A couple okay. years in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah. And, so proof, actually, which is the second concept. Shall okay. I? Shall I go for? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll cover these, and then we'll circle back to the the man before, because this was sure. 2012. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you'd done a few things before you got into this. We'll get. We'll circle back to that. Absolutely. Proof was 2015. That was our landlord coming to us and saying, uh, "Look, um, the corner space is available. Um, would you like to expand Vine Arts uh, and take the whole?" building like take all of the the retail base and we didn't want to at that point viners was doing well out of its little location there was no yep. point mm-hmm. to add any more operational costs on it uh, but we had had an idea <laughs> we had been traveling to the states a lot uh and going to a lot of cocktail bars when we were down there and we saw that it was starting to become more popular through the retail store people were coming in demanding a lot of like items for cocktail. Well, you guys had a little bit of a living, breathing case study kind of going on. Like what's happening? Like if basically it was a day-to-day focus group. A hundred percent, 100%. So we could see both that the neighborhood was growing and excited about new concepts in the area and that a concept could survive. We could see that people were more curious about cocktails and asking a lot about cocktails. And there was a hunger for, for cocktails uh, in the city. And we also knew that there was essentially at that time one cocktail bar operating um, as a cocktail bar, right? Uh, which was Milk Tiger, and they did a great job. Uh, and it's the full props to the to the original gangsters, I guess, on the street. But they <laughs> they 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 did a great job. Uh, but we thought we could do something a little bit more elevated. So 
Um, yeah, we came up with proof. We we opened it in May of twenty fifteen. Okay, so three three years after yeah three years after the first kind of got your got got your foundation established and just curious Vine Arts for me it, it 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 very early became a destination location like there's people in the neighborhood but were people coming in driving from other parts of the city to come to what you guys had to offer had, had you kind of reached that point uh, a little bit it, that started to follow I think a little bit uh, around that time okay uh, early on it was it was mostly neighborhood traffic. Um, I think that uh, we there wasn't a lot of other things like us anywhere because we had really tried to foster that concept. Um, but then slowly things started to pop up um, kind of around the area and good little locations like good little wine and spirit stores. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we built from the neighborhood first and then kind of moved out from there. And over time, we've seen a lot of our customers, uh, which often happens in this age group, this demographic, uh, move from downtown into the suburbs. Maybe but they get, still maybe come get to married, us. maybe get, get get a bigger house, and they, you know, the Calgary sprawl, you end up living out you know, t- half an hour from downtown. But. Exactly. But they'll still come to us, which is great. Um, and so you know, building our clientele that way too. Um, Victoria Park now seems like a place, uh, it's kind of a first stop, uh, for, for kind of young corporate, uh, demographic yep. walking distance to downtown, you reasonably priced condos, you get your little 600 square foot condo and you're, you're in, you're in business. Totally. Right? You know, hip restaurants around yep. and, and so, and, cool. and but then they cool eventually factor. move out and, uh, if you can hold on to them as guests, as customers, then that's, that's great. And proof has had, um, <clears throat> a kind of a similar arc, although it opened its doors successfully like i mean it was boom right out of the gates i remember when all of a sudden it was like hey there's a new place it's proof you got to go and you'd go and it would be packed and lined up and you couldn't get in and yeah yeah that was my first memory of you know i remember hearing about these two guys one guy from oil and gas and so the vine art story was slow but proof was like it was just there and why weren't why didn't you know about it kind of thing totally i think that the, yeah, the bar and restaurant um I guess if you you want to call it a pipeline, because we're in Calgary, uh, <laughs> it's a good reference these days. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, for 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 that information, for spreading across the city and people finding out about those things, it's uh, it's a little bit more vast. It's quicker. It's a yeah. it's a more intricate web, and it moves quicker. Well, it is, um, a big, it is a big small town that we live in here. Absolutely. For sure. absolutely. And so when somebody does something that's uh, of note, I think that people hear about it fairly quickly. And that that was lucky enough for us. That happened. I think we played it really well too. We kept it um, a, a secret completely from our staff, and or, well, even some staff, uh, but from the guests that were coming into. Oh, you guys played so, the yeah, the, okay, yeah, and so then like Which creates buzz just by not by not talking about it. Yeah, exactly. And then I I would say about a month before we opened the doors, we started to like leak out a few design things, and um, I like how we played that one actually, and it worked well. It's always fun to look back and, you know, because you make decisions at the time and with the information you have and you're moving 100 miles an hour and you're like, oh, that was, yeah, we were on, we, yeah, that was, we were on something there. <laughs> that worked. Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, the yeah. Constant, the constant trial and error. Mm. So that, that, that went great. And then uh, um, we just kept moving forward with that. Uh, we had an opportunity and, uh, like I said, late, tw- well, late 2016, we opened up uh, the second Vine Arts. And then as that was going on, uh, we were approached by uh, our current business partner in Donamac, Amy Turner, who was working for Concord Group okay. uh, at the time um, and was looking for something kind of new. She wanted to do her own thing, be an owner, um, and uh, was wondering if we were looking to do anything. And it just so happened at that time that I had a landlord chasing me down, which was uh, the landlord for the site that we're 
Donimac is currently okay. in. Yeah, one right by right by Cups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was saying no over and over and over again uh, because of the location, and um, and uh, they basically came to me and said, like, what would you do it for? And we we came to an agreement, um, and uh, and so we were negotiating that. I was looking back in my notes, like we were negotiating that in 2015. Just crazy, like late 2015, right. uh, early 2016. We didn't open till November of 2017. Um, so uh, Amy, along with my original chef uh, from Proof, Justin Longpre, um, myself and Jesse uh, opened Donima. So that, that's, uh, and that's now been going for a year and roughly six months. Uh, it's finally starting, starting to get, get some traction. And we knew that neighborhood was going to be a tough go. We were going to have to yeah, drop things people. are slowly starting around there, but it is still kind of off on its own little pocket over there. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. There's, there's, and the people who live in that neighborhood, one of the things that attracted us to the neighborhood is the density is very similar to Victoria Park, actually. Okay. The residential density. It doesn't feel, it feels very different. They don't use the streets to, the same way. It's a very different vibe there. It has it, a real, like, you're beside the tracks, has a bit of an industrial feel. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, late at night, it probably feel like you're walking through an industrial park over there. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, on 10th. Yeah, yeah so, for sure, on 10th specifically. Yeah. yeah, so they don't walk the streets in the same manner. Uh, and actually, I find that like a lot of people will... It's funny, I walk back and forth from there to Proof all the time. Mm-hmm. It takes no time at all. It's a rather nice walk. Uh, but people just don't make that walk. They'll get in an Uber. They'll get in a taxi. We're very car-centric in this town. Yeah. Like we're not walking, for sure. We're a bit walk-phobic here. For sure. So I'm, I'm surprised no how people utilize the neighborhood and the streets in that area. Um, but it's changing, and it'll change over time. And if we can maintain what we're doing right now and grow with that neighborhood, I think it's going to be great. Well, which is a similar strategy when you guys came, went in on first. And, you know, that's a, it's a very vibrant area now to go there. Like, again, from my office, it's great walking distance. I go over there, go to 10 foot, go to you guys, see you guys. This is a bit of a destination now. You have multiple. If this place is busy, you, you have options now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, uh, the success of uh, – even though they are kind of on that barrier, that border of, of 8th Avenue, um, the success – or, sorry, 8th Street. Yep. Um, the success of Bridget Bar and uh, mm-hmm. and – like right that are right there and I my friend owns a place uh, a great little spot called Holy Grill that's been there for I think almost 15 years Right across, um, is that, that's right across from Mac, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes, yes. I've had breakfast spot. there like probably a couple of years ago, yeah. So. Yeah, so, and they've always been successful too. So there's, there's a demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's just about like going and finding your customers. So. Which, what do you guys do? That's a, that's a great one as, as a marketer. So what do you guys do when you go, you talked a lot about word of mouth and just kind of like, you know, nothing, nothing more powerful than a good story because it gets shared. Yep. But what do you guys do when you want to go out and like make a splash? Or just get awareness, get it on people's radar. What do you guys, what tactics do you guys use? Yeah, I think that the, we always came at, from a, uh, came at it from a philosophy of the first thing that you have the most control over is within your four walls and just making sure that like every experience that's in that goes on in that place is positive enough that people want to talk about it. Um, it's a difficult thing to execute all the time, especially when you begin to get to a position where you as the owner perhaps aren't in the store every single day. Um, yes, the building, the building, the team, and will everyone, you know, what yeah. they, what, it's not what they do when you're there, it's what they do when you're not there. A hundred percent. And uh, so, you know, making sure that, that that's step one, I think, is just uh, building a solid client base that love coming in there and that they're passionately supportive of you. And we found that with Vine Arts, we found that with Proof, we're beginning to find it with Donamac. It's taken some time, but we're finding it with Donamac now too, is that um, if you can find people who are willing to talk about you every day, 
I mean, that is worth more than an advertisement. 100%. Yes, it is. I agree. Uh, We're still people to people. Like we still yeah. interact with other humans, uh, no matter how many digital things we put in our hands or tactics or strategies. When you get a, like, especially in Calgary, like you don't, you just call somebody. They'll give you, oh, call this guy, do that. Like it's, it's, it is, it, it'll never go away. Well, and then there's people, I'm one of them. Uh, there's people that groups of people go to for certain recommendations on certain things. The influencer, like, absolutely. Absolutely. I get phone calls all the like, where should I take so-and-so for our date or for dinner? And oh, you do a little, you a little date advice, you a little date oh, consulting. Constantly. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, really? Well, at least oh, on the restaurant. Okay, well, I'm going to make a note on the restaurants. I'm not going to answer any more of these questions <laughs> past this point. <laughs> if you listen to me past that, you might have a horrific failure on your hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to set the stage and I'm going to walk away. That's funny. But yeah, who do you call? You call the guy. They call the guy. The guy in the in the know. <laughs> yeah. So if you can get those people on board with you, then that's. Um, that's obviously step one. I think for us, step and we used to have a philosophy of kind of no outside advertising that we tried to grow organically as much as possible. I knew that about yeah, I knew that about you guys. Yeah, I mean it changed over time um, a little bit, uh, but for us, I think the second step was uh, making sure that we were a active member of our own community. So. Um, being a positive uh, uh, and supportive member of the hospitality community was big for us. And uh, again, you get those people on your side, that's a lot of voices. Um, So we ensured, uh, even though we had friendships already, we ensured early on that uh, we made connections. We made a point of like going and talking to people. And and I think we still continue to do that. If people come to us... uh, want advice they're mm-hmm. maybe opening their own yeah. concept or whatever i'm always going to sit down with those people 100 percent of the time because who knows you know like they they could be the next person that's the biggest thing and if they're talking about you every day then they're seeing a lot of people so no well and i think so would you say from your perspective because it's the whole scarcity versus abundance mindset yep and i find sometimes in you know in restaurant in restaurant industry which can be quite especially in a downturn do you find the calgary community is more of a of a inclusive or is it me against you us against them or is it in pockets like, that's a broad question maybe no no that's a, it's a good question I've, I've given it a lot of thought lately because um it's certainly to get it from where it was, let's say, in the mid two thousands, okay. which uh, early to mid two thousands, which was um, almost exclusively big chain um, outside of Calgary ownership. Yep. Um, you know, not bad concepts, but just different. Uh, to go to this model where there's a whole lot of uh, Calgary ownership, uh, local ownership, and uh, and younger kind of entrepreneurial type businesses. That took a lot of like a really strong sense of community, uh, and we supported the heck out of each other. Uh, getting these concepts supported and started, and there's like a, a pretty core group. We all know each other, like uh, mm-hmm. in that group. Um, it can maybe get a little clicky, unfortunately, because some maybe some really good concepts that aren't, you know, in. Yeah, that, aren't, that aren't quote, quote, unquote, unquote, cool. Yeah, yeah, um, cool. Yeah, maybe get ignored a little bit, which I try and avoid uh, because I want people to try the good things right whether i know the person or not um however this downturn uh it i think we've all noticed and i mean part of it i think is just the amount of work that everybody has to put in now right focusing on that community has has kind of maybe slid a little bit and it's become a little bit more dog eat dog like it's like your customer is my customer and i love you but 
I'm scraping by. So yeah, absolutely. And, and, I'll do, keep, and I'll do whatever it takes. I need to keep my customer. Well, so scarcity is abundance, and then there's survival, which has yeah. been a real thing in the in your industry the last few years. For oh, sure. absolutely, no question, absolutely. And we you got to kind of appreciate it because you know it's going to be you, it's going to be them. You're, everyone goes through, kind of takes their turn, unfortunately. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think there's still it's still a great community, and it's still a great community of people. It's still a great community of personalities, and. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all still very supportive of one one another, I believe, but it's it has gotten a little bit a little bit hairier out there. Well, I think Calgary in general. I'm because uh, you're, you're not a Calgarian. I'm from Regina originally. Uh, yeah. I grew up in Montreal, nice. and I grew and I moved here in the sense of community. Like again, I moved from Montreal to Calgary in the early 2000s, and I was like, "Where are all the restaurants?" Like because Montreal, you're spoiled. It's oh, it's a completely best. different thing. But again, different sense of community. People are a little bit more standoffish. I move here, and it's like this overall inclusion, and just it's a big small town. There's a vibe here that I think is very different, and it's nice to see the restaurants. It's good to hear. I was curious what that would be like to be inside it because I'm looking in really selfishly, excited for all these new concepts that have come to town. Yeah, yeah, and I think that we do a pretty good job of fostering it. And I think that uh, just being out and about a, a little bit more recently, I think that it's. Uh, starting to come back people are starting to realize that we need to spend more time with one another like it's really beneficial from a business point of view too to talk with those people so um it's almost more selfish to do it because you're going to get more out of it yeah absolutely (laughs) like to to not get past your own yeah what are your struggles what's going on um, yeah, there's probably a landmine that I used to be in an executive leadership group for years. My buddy always said, he goes, someone in this group has stepped on the landmine I'm about to step on. Yeah. So if I can get that advice and not blow my leg off, I'm going to do that. Mm. I had uh, a good friend who has a number of restaurants in town recently. We went out for just like, it was no more than a half hour okay. of just like, cause that's all the time he had. And it was just like, bing, 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 and questions, answers, you know, like, and maybe I don't have all the answers, but perhaps something I say will lead them down a path. And in that environment, it's 100% relatable. You don't need to explain your situation. You don't need no. to talk about the context. I'm dealing with this. I know I dealt with that. Here's what I did. And you're, oh, thank you. Boom. Yeah. And it's like, just perspective. Super mm. valuable, for sure. Yeah. So you grew up in Regina. How long, Regina. How long, how long, how long have you been in Calgary for? Uh, 17 years. We're almost there. I moved here in 2000, so pretty close, pretty yeah. close to the same. Yeah. And uh, grew up, well, I know you just, you just sit in oil and gas, but always grew up wanting to own your own restaurant and bar. Yeah, well, <laughs> I always make this joke. <laughs> very rarely has anyone ever said, yes, the, where I am now is where I plan to be. Exactly. <laughs> I, don't know that, um, <clears throat> I don't know that ownership was uh, on my radar uh, early on, but I, I loved the industry. Okay. Uh, I entered it when I was about 16. Um, uh, at Earl's in Regina, uh, washing dishes. And, uh, I know a lot of people that have come up through that. that, oh, yeah. that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I will never sit here and uh, badmouth that company. It taught me absolutely everything I need, needed to know about the back end of the business, the operational side of the business. Um, and I doubt I would have been able to have the success I had without it, especially without schooling. Like I don't have any formal education in hospitality or frankly anything for that matter so <laughs> okay all right, all right we'll touch on that i love it yeah. so um an eclectic i'm hearing eclectic background <laughs> yeah exactly textured life i like to call it um <laughs> i'm gonna steal that one just so you know for exactly future. textured life so yeah that was uh i started there uh and i loved it I loved, uh, I, I don't think that I had... Were you in the kitchen? You started, like you said, in the back? I did, yeah. And, uh, well, actually, I started, I started setting. Okay. Um, like, bussing tables. Uh, and then moved back into the kitchen. Uh, and then I came back out uh, when I was old enough to serve drinks. 
go behind the bar. Um, but I think I loved the structure of it. Uh, I really, at that time uh, in my life, I was young. Um, I, I wasn't really responding well to the structures of schooling. <laughs> and um, and the structures of home were pretty loosey-goosey, to be okay. honest. And uh, I liked the regimented kind of structure of it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think I felt like there, there was achievement uh, on a day-to-day basis. And well, I, every shift, if you can, especially if it's here in a busy place. I, I, I work yeah. in the restaurant industry. Like, it's when you're in the juice and you're in the weeds and you're working with the team, like, it is, everybody's on. Like, yeah, it, and it, you have it, to It's be. like a little high all to itself. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. it was. And it was, it was that every day. And I just immediately was like, no, this is, I'm more wired into this. Hmm. And uh, so I pursued it pretty hard. And um, I did... Uh, Everything that I could do in that space. Um, and Earl's, I understand, is really good at that. You can move to different roles. You can move around, do different things. Like, I've had someone walk me through, like, to get to this role, you have to bring someone under you, train them, then you move up. So, yeah. I've, I've heard it lays a really good foundation for kind of that team, but also building, like, make yourself redundant so you can move to another position. Absolutely. They do a fantastic job at that. And it was, uh, again, like, I was learning things, uh, structures, management structures, and then even, like, psychological structures like they have that built into their little systems there that uh i was you know leadership skills and things like that that i was completely unfamiliar with at the time and uh and latched onto pretty tightly so worked my way up i eventually went into management roles um there was a brief uh period outside of uh just after graduating high school that uh, i was like well i'm gonna go to university and i went for six months and i was like no i'm gonna chase down the restaurant thing so um University didn't work for me. We can go into that if you want. Kitchen mom, <laughs> maybe we'll keep going on this. No, yeah, I appreciate so, that, that. Like at an early age, though, you really connected and resonated with, with the restaurant environment. That's interesting. Absolutely, I think it was just uh, it felt uh, at that time uh, like a more real, tangible, attainable uh, goal. Okay, and uh, so went up. Uh, you know, I, I I ran days, I ran nights, and then uh, basically at that point, you're you're ready to take over a restaurant. You may not be ready, but that's the next yep, position. That's the progression. You work your way up the ladder. And uh, the gal who was uh, ahead of me, who was the general manager of the restaurant at that time, I recognized pretty early on she wasn't going to leave that position anytime soon, and she didn't. Uh, and she's a very good friend of mine still, um, family friend. And uh, so I decided that I'm going to have to leave if uh, if there's going to be any kind of progression. So you could see the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So uh, there was an opportunity to uh, which came across the emails to all the managers in the company that they were opening a steakhouse in Calgary, Alberta. Ah, Salt Lake Steakhouse. So yep. I applied. Uh, I had to take a step back, a big step back, to take the job. Uh, but how, how old were you at this point? For anyone, Twenty-four. For anyone who's keeping score. Twenty-four. 24. Okay. So uh, I had to take a big step back in pay and in responsibility to take the job, but um, they were trying to build something, I guess, a little bit more, uh, a little higher end and a little more uh, structured. And so I decided, uh, especially considering I was going to be able to work directly with Stuart Fuller, who's one of the Fuller brothers who owns the entire, like Joey's and Earl's and the whole nine yards, that I would take it. And uh, I did. So I ended up going back into the kitchen, uh, which is where they wanted strong people. Um, which is now that I'm my age, I get it. Yes. Um, I think that it makes e- perfect sense from this perspective. <laughs> my ego back then didn't really want to take a well, step back. Front of back. the house, back of the house. It's an age old, it's an age totally. old dichotomy of those two roles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, but I, uh, I, I accepted the position and so I, I trained, uh, 
their their kitchen staff for uh, probably the first year and a half or so that I was uh, back here. And then Unless you put in you put in some some legit time. Yeah, absolutely. And then I moved out and uh, took over the night management role there. And then eventually I was the general manager. Um, and I did that for two and a half years, I think. Okay. Before I moved on. So basically, your restaurant MBA. For yeah. Well, purposes, I mean, yeah, or whatever you want to call it. Exactly. They were all successful, so that's good. I, I, I you, you definitely learned the bones. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Of a restaurant. Uh, well, you said earlier, no formal education. Education comes from lots of places. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. Like an, an on-site, hands dirty, roll up, like belly to belly. Like for me, like there's it's it gets very real. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I again, I don't think I realized it uh, as much at the time. Um, I know now looking back that it was just my learning style was not uh, adept to lecturing university. I went right. to university. You didn't, you didn't fit the mold. I didn't fit the mold. It didn't work for me um, at all. I was successful in high school. You know, I could get A's and high B's just by paying attention and not doing a lick of work, uh, not studying, like no homework, no studying. Um, I, I sense you and I share some similar. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's yeah, go on. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then you know, you, you attempt that in university. And it's just a complete and bloody failure. Like uh, that, it's a that, whole another set of requirements. That's right. And yeah. so to have to at that point in your life um, learn, relearn how to learn, uh, it just wasn't it wasn't on my radar. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because I think I'm a really good learner. Uh, it's just I have to learn by doing usually, and I have to be self directed in what I'm passionate about. I. I'm completely passionate and I get deeply passionate about like crazy little things and I'll research the heck out of them. But it go has down to the be rabbit, on go down the rabbit own, hole. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be on my own time and, uh, and kind of like by my own direction. Uh, and so, yeah, that's why that did not work. But uh, other things have, so. But you clearly <laughs> found something and, you know, I, I believe there's lots of paths to get there and we have oh, a yeah. system that's set up to accommodate a certain way of learning, a certain way of processing. And you can go into, we could have a huge dialogue on the education Absolutely. system. But, uh, you know, I think the biggest challenge, if you don't if you don't fit there, it's kind of then up to you to find where you do fit and still be driven towards it, which clearly is what you did along along your path. You you, lean, you leaned in, you know. Yeah. And at a young age, when you, you're kind of winging it, well, we're always winging it, but at 24, 25, I was definitely winging it. Oh, I, gotcha. I moved to Calgary when I was 26. I hadn't even been here before. Literally jumped in the car and drove across the country. In hindsight, it worked out, but at the time, really, was that the, I guess it was a smart decision only because it had good results. Yeah, exactly. It <laughs> could have gone either way. Oh, easily. Probably more easily the other way, but Anyways, whatever. Okay, so 26, you're in Calgary. You're, you've put in your time now. You've got your, your restaurant, you know, MBA, say, in quotes, under your belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at that point, uh, we uh, a couple unfortunate things in a row happened. Uh, my chef uh, at the time uh, had a little cancer scare, which he beat. Great, that which we're very happy about. Uh, even today, I still have some communication with him. But uh, he got pulled out of the restaurant. And uh, what I ended up doing to kind of... Uh, balance the workload was I took over the kitchen because I had been in there before I knew what was going on and I just kind of put a lot of responsibility on my very adept day manager uh, yep. and uh, we you, did, of, you did what you had to do did what I had to do at the time um, that went on for quite some time uh, and uh, you know essentially uh Burning out was already beginning, uh, and that kind of like burnt the way. Well, the right restaurant down. business will just cut, burn you right out the back. It door, does, for sure. yeah. And yeah. you have to. The, and I learned pace, balance the there. hours, everything, mm. uh, because I wasn't. I was unbalanced, which taught me that I actually needed. It. I think it was the first time in my life that I was like. I mean, up to that point in my life, I hadn't really even traveled. Like I had, I don't think I'd left. I'd left Canada once uh, or twice, maybe. Yep. Um, and um, all I did was work my whole life. 
And uh, at that point, uh, I was working, without exaggeration, 12 hours a day, uh, most days, and, and seven days a week, most weeks. Um, that'll burn you out quick. I think that uh, the arrogance of youth keeps you going for a little while longer than you normally would, but... Uh, arrogance combined with ignorance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little, little combination of both. Yep, absolutely. Uh, until I just burnt to nothing. And uh, it all came kind of collapsing down. Uh, I ended up quitting. Uh, I had really no idea of what I was going to oh, do. Oh, the whole thing just completely crumbled. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm certainly not going do to. Do you get that mindset way. of like just getting away from whatever because it's, this isn't working. I'm not sure exactly what is it, but this is a big thing. So I'm, I'm jumping ship. Yeah, absolutely. When yeah. it starts to affect uh, your personal life and, uh, and I think that was actually a pretty mature decision for somebody of my age at that time because I was, you know, I, I still see people unhappily trudge through their entire work lives. Uh, without recognizing that they're unhappy. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> no, it happens all the time. Uh, all the time. And uh, so I left. Uh, I, I, my girlfriend at the time, who became my first wife, uh, uh, we're going to get into this. Now. I was, I was, you, you, okay, you called it out. Okay, absolutely we are. Um, she was very Since supportive. Yeah, exactly. Very supportive. Um, and patient, and uh, and so you know, a little bit of reflection period. I think I took a couple months off, and then uh, decided, okay, well, I've got to I got to figure something out. So I had a friend in oil and gas. He was a landman, um, and he's like, look, you could probably start, you know, over ground up. Um, you take a couple courses at Olds College. I'm a surface landman, like you know, uh, it, I do really well for myself. And so I said, okay, what's your job entail? talked about it i was like i'm gonna try that out so uh got that part-time job at bin 905 uh went keep keep one foot in there keep one foot in went went uh, went back to olds college there to become a a surface guy and at the end of my first year uh i got a a placement to like a a summer job uh at uh, taka north so at that time i guess by then i would have been 30 and, uh, um, yeah, basically, uh, you know, they saw this 30 year old coming in. I worked really hard and I think that they recognized that, um, you know, I wanted just to get going on my career. And so they were like, well, listen, we have opportunities here on the administrative side, on the contract side. I know it's not surface, which is what you're currently learning, right, but, but here's we, the opportunity. But here's the opportunity. Sounds like a familiar pattern. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And so I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Like I wanted that. I, I, and frankly, I needed to start bringing some money back into the household. And, yep. Uh, so I took it. Uh, once again, left school <laughs> a little early, and uh, <laughs> and but that was fine. And uh, okay. worked up from there. And so I, I ended up being a contracts landman. I think within the first couple of years, and then a negotiating landman within probably three, four years ish. And I was negotiating landman for three or four years. Okay. Uh, attack of the whole time? Attack of the whole time. Hey, curious, this is a random question. Did you happen to go to that uh, pre-Christmas 70s theme party that Taka threw out at to Banff Springs? Yeah, absolutely. That was, yeah, yeah. that was my first year. That was because my wife was working at the same time and I was at that party. Yes. <laughs> so you and I probably, anyway, because I, met, G- met, I met Gino at that party. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which is a mutual friend, anyways. That, and I, was, I, I show up and I'm like, this seems, wow, okay, Fiona, this is a good, this is great. And, oh. and, the, and the CEO time dressed up as a chic with the whole, anyways, I was, that was a good time. That was Dude, a good night. <laughs> I was sure that I had made the greatest decision of my life at that party. Absolutely. Okay, uh, yeah. So we share that in common. So 
we like, crossed oh, paths that night. I'm quite sure great. we probably had shots. I don't remember. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't wait for them. And uh, yeah, I mean, that party was off the hook. <laughs> the party was off the hook. They, they kind of tightened the ship after that. They but. did. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was still, that was one of the last of the good old days. Kind of, anyways. It was. <laughs> it's not reminiscent. Let's not no, tell like a bunch of old guys. Remember back when parties, that's, anyways? That's right. They slide the whole company to Banff on a corporate jet just for a good time. That's kind of what happened. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, yeah, no, that was great. Uh, but yeah, so did that. But the whole time, obviously, like also uh, kind of at the same time while I'm working there, focusing on, on starting something, uh, kind of a side hustle. So you had the left hook, literally life, your, your brain, yeah. your mind, everything just said, I'm enough of this. Yeah. Kind of went back, pushed the reset button. I'm going to stay involved, but I'm going to go on another path. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you're slowly the rebuild. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, still, still married at this point. Uh, yeah. Not so to skip I, past that very clearly. No, for sure. First wife mentioned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so I was, uh, yeah, until honestly, uh, the, around the time that we were, uh, just open vine arts, uh, which I think again was like, I made a decision in my life and it was focused on me and, uh, yeah, okay. and right yeah. And I think that it's, but I think that it uh, obviously had an effect on, on that. Um, still close with her, love her to death, chalk all the time. Okay. But it just uh, wasn't, it just wasn't working. Oh, and I mean, I think a lot of it was, uh, again, you get down to ignorance. So it was, it's amazing. You always think that in your current state, you're as wise as you're ever going to be and maybe possibly wiser than most, but it's not yes. true. Yeah, I think it's called the end of history phenomenon where we, if you look like how much, how much am I going to change in the next 10 years? No, not that much. I'm pretty much here. How much have you changed in the last 10 years? Oh my God, let me tell you, I was an idiot. I don't even talk to that 10 year old guy, <laughs> exactly. but we believe we've arrived at every moment that it is. That's such a, I love it's that amazing. phenomenon. <laughs> and it's true. We call it a flat phenomenon because it seems to implement my life that way. Oh, absolutely. Fact. Absolutely. And so I was, I was the same way. Uh, I just think that I didn't know how to balance it, uh, work on it, the relationship, yeah. balance work and life properly. And I certainly, even at that time, even though I had the lessons of the past, you know, I just still they, they tend like, to get reserved. Yeah, work, 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 and um, life tends to repre- re- represent the same issue until we figured it out. I've heard exactly. different theories about that, and I'm hoping that uh, this last year. Uh, twenty eighteen in particular taught me the lesson, and it's stu- it's stuck. Okay, it's, all right. We're so, talking about it, so that's step one yeah, in the process, I believe. Absolutely, <laughs> that there is. It's more important, uh, and you know what? Too the funny thing is, is that it's more important for your business as well that you have a balance. Um, yes, you can put in hours and hours and hours of work, but they're going to be absolutely useless if you're just well. Brain. It's impact versus time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Uh, th- that uh, ha- so I would have gotten divorced right before I guess proof opened. Uh, well, no, it would have been earlier than that uh, because there was three years between virus proof, so it would have been like uh, twenty twenty thirteen ish. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So and again, that was just more of like me just saying like, well, this is what's important to me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, although even looking back, I don't know that I realized that that's what I was doing, but that that is what I was doing. My so. life historically makes more sense in hindsight. <laughs> when I look back, it's I'm like, oh, easier. I see how that made it to there and that got to there. But at the time, you just you're making best decisions based on the information you have available, and exactly. you move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's kind of that's the background. <laughs> I, I love it because this is such this is part of the reason why I even I started doing this because I met so many people and it's easy to see where they've where they've arrived to. Well, a successful guy, multiple, you know, got 
restaurants and bars and oh wow it must have been a, just a direct path and you're so lucky that it all worked out that way and it pretty much is rarely ever luck it's a lot yeah. of hard work and it's never a straight it's never a straight line it's a, a b c d back again circle back around on yourself mm-hmm. yep i agree i agree i do I, I think that my philosophy is a little different in that i do believe uh in a certain amount of luck but i also i guess i'm one of those guys that uh counteracts that by saying that like i mean you're not going to get lucky if you're not out there uh working so uh, the, the harder i work the luckier i get like, yeah there's so many cliches but i mean i agree with you i, I do I, I put uh i put a lot of i give myself and my business partner a lot of credit for the amount of work that we've put in but i think that we would both look back and say oh man that was a lucky strike like that worked, it just, you know, yeah, that yeah. worked out nicely but again you get to that spot where you're able to get lucky by getting to that spot. Well, we all know people that have worked really hard and have had good ideas and just had bad luck. Like, oh yeah. man, I can't believe that happened. Or like someone, you know, a friend of mine at a restaurant on 17th Ave recently and opened it a couple of years ago and it had some challenges and taxes and then they tore up the street in front of his, re- in front of his, re- like, it's like, oh dude, like man, it's like you were getting left hooks every time you turned around. Like, you yeah. didn't even get off the ropes and someone was catching the jaw again. Like yeah. he just had a string of really like shitty timing and shitty luck. Mm. Yeah. And uh, like, I mean, I think we had uh, uh, an experience like that uh, ourselves on the last concept. Um, but, you know, we were lucky enough that it was right. our fourth concept and that we had like a little bit more resilience. Yes. Um, because Get a little bit more runway, uh, yeah. AKA cash. AKA, yeah. yeah let's, let's could, call could it have taken is. us down. Right. And uh, so again, like I think part of like the luck thing that he and I talk about is, uh, and we talk about this every time we sit down with our accountant on our annual financials, like especially considering how much work the last two openings have been. The first two openings, uh, completely unreasonably successful for a new business, right? Like we, right, yeah, yeah. and I think that it also created an amount of, uh, I'll call it arrogance. Cause that's what it is. Um, confidence, uh, overconfidence that like, all we got to do is open doors, man. Do you know, yeah, like you, it's you, like, you get the fill bit bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh, well, like, I mean, you, you don't face those challenges. Um, and yeah, facing them it. for the first time, you're like, Oh my God, like this is really eye opening. Um, so we were fortunate. We were fortunate. I mean, obviously we also, kind of hit the nail on the head with the concepts. Uh, yeah, you had the right, the right wave at the right time. And, and again, like you said, like you're not going to get lucky without it. Like the guy that gets lucky, it's a one-off. Yeah. But when you work consistently hard and you set yourself up for luck, but no, I hear, I've had experiences where it just almost, it was too easy. And I think the last three to five, again, this downturn could, could, could go away anytime soon for sure. But I think it also sharpened a lot of pencils and, you know, the rising tides thing in Calgary was a real thing. There was a lot of companies that were successful that weren't giving good customer experience, weren't giving good, weren't creating brands. They were just there. Yep. I do like that that's got universally kind of leveled it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, these cleansing periods, if you want yes, to look it's at a good way to call it. as cleansing periods, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, at the core of some of these businesses are people and their families and it's unfortunate. Yes. Uh, but I think if you are looking at it from a pure market point of view, uh, it's, it, it does strengthen the type of concepts and the, and the, you know, everybody has to like kind of step it up a little bit uh, because what's left is the good stuff. Right. And, and so now, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's definitely happened. It's a, it's a, last few it's years. a natural progression. So what, so let's talk about the, you know, the cocktail culture a little bit. You guys jumped in at a time when things were becoming, it was becoming more popular and like definitely you travel in the U S New York thing. There was like that. It was a different scene there that Calgary didn't have. Yeah. What do you see? What's coming down the pipe? Like what's trendy in that world for you guys right now? Well, I mean, there's a couple different directions on that. Uh, one of them is obviously the injection of this digital 
uh, age that we live in, uh, mm-hmm. and the Instagram ability of spaces and, and drinks and things like that. And so we're starting mm-hmm. to see, uh, a, a, a virtual <laughs> kind of aspect of the business that is, okay. uh, that Interesting. is, well, I think it's really important. Like the marketing, well, you're in a marketing guy. So, Absolutely, 100%, yeah. um, the big brands are really pushing, uh, the personalities. So um, we're starting to see a lot of focus on our people, uh, right? So they're kind of going around us as the owner to our people. Um, the bartender so as the star. The bartender as the guys, star. You guys, I follow you guys on your social channels, and you know, your bartenders are getting a lot more play in the last three to six months. Well, we're doing it ourselves yeah, because see we see we see that it's part of the bigger industry, right? Like, so if the if the the big companies ah, are going to do it too, then it's like okay, well, let's make. Let's make let's help make our bartenders known uh, yep. entities, right? Um, I think it's important, um, and uh, it seems to be working. Like, I mean, uh, for me, uh, just personally, and I guess my age probably has something to do with it. Um, it it seems a little bit vapid and, and a little bit shallow uh, on its face. Yeah, but uh, but I think that the greater market really responds well to it. It it almost feels like you know that bartender. Well, uh, I was going to say, it's almost like it's going back, kind of, it, it's faking out yeah. what it used to be. I put myself through flight school working behind a bar, as I said, and it was in a, just off the end of the island of Montreal, and it was a, kind of a, a bedroom community off Montreal, very wealthy, and, but these same guys would come in and sit in the same stools, and like, they knew the bartender, and I knew them. It was a personal relationship. Absolutely. And it feels that way to people online. Uh, it's, it's, it's the fake social media friend. <laughs> oh my God, I feel like I know you, but yeah, but deep down you don't know no, me. You don't know me. Um, ah, no, that's true. I get, we are both a, the age group that maybe can feel slightly jaded about that whole concept. Well, yeah, well, let's talk be, about it though. It's well, real. absolutely. I mean, I, I, again, like it works from a marketing point of view, I think very well. Um, and so like, if I'm saying, uh, you know, where, where's the cocktail scene going? Yeah, that's not yeah. necessarily the cocktail scene. That's more of like, the bar scene, uh, the cocktail bar scene uh, uh, is going okay. that way. Like if you want to talk about the actual products, we can do that too. But I think that that's kind of where, uh, the big companies, the big money are pushing it is they're turning bartenders into stars, trying to celebrities, to, mm. to celebrities. Um, and it will only grow like I, uh, this glut and it is a glut of, uh, chef driven cooking shows and things on yep. TV. There's going to be bar ones. I guarantee it. Uh, I think there is already a few. I don't know that I've watched any. I feel like I've seen one, but then I couldn't put a name to it. So, yeah. Yeah, but they'll be coming. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe the only thing that will stop them is how bartenders actually act in real life. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, that actually could make for really juicy TV, actually. It could, but it might ruin their careers. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough. Well, it's interesting because then you also get the, like, especially, like, if you look at the food industry, maybe tied to restaurants, but with the booze brands, you're going to get now a bartender that's actually getting paid by a certain booze brand. So then is yeah. he now an unbiased influencer? Like you get into all that gray area of like, oh, you know, I really support, place. I know, I really support this shoe brand sponsored by at the end, you know. And this is I think it. we're also becoming a lot smarter about that as well. Like the celebrity endorsement is not a new concept. No. It's just now on steroids because of social media. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, and it is for real. It happens. And we have to try and uh, uh, I, I just have to balance allowing them to expose themselves to their greatest possible capabilities, which gives them obviously pleasure and also wants them to, keeps them uh, interested in their position in the space. And, right. Um, because it is, a, but I have to balance that with making sure that like, we're not appearing to sell ourselves out as a, as a business, right? So the bartender could do whatever the bartender wants on the bartender's personal Instagram. But of course. When it starts to, and I mean, I really support them with their competitions and I think that that's very balanced. Um, on our on our on our social, okay, 
you'll see a lot of like one company's competition for a bit. And then the next comp will come down and you'll see a lot of that. And that's us trying to support them and get their names out there for those comps. And it's a tactic for those guys to get some name recognition, associate to something cool. We've got a lot of followers. And I think the bartenders uh, understand it. At least mine do. Um, I think the bigger companies need to understand it a little bit better. Okay. Uh, So I get into some, I guess sticky debates with them some dialogue we'll call it some dialogue dialogue dialogue, dialogue about dialogue. like this is a 50 50 thing yeah you're the one with all the money but i'm the one with fourteen thousand followers on my instagram and like you're you're getting something from me so absolutely let's make sure that there's well you have the eyes you have yeah. the people you have the following yeah absolutely that they so, want indirectly through you eh, totally so trend. and it's very it makes sense because it's happening it's happening everywhere so of course it would you know and and the celebrity chef is that that's that's been really ramping up, like just continuously every year. It seems to get more and bigger and more, it does, more aggressive it? and more flamboyant. I thought that would die. Uh, at least, you know, like go through some sort of correction, but it doesn't seem to have. And it seems to, and again, from someone who worked in the restaurant industry and I was front of the house, like it's certainly glamorizing the um, less than amicable chef. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's also glamorizing. AKA the asshole chef, let's be blunt. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It also, I mean, it's, it's done, I guess, I suppose good things for our industry in that like, there's more money flowing into it, uh, you know, as far as the investment side of things, because people have it in their minds now uh, that they're like, oh, that looks really romantic and exciting. I'd love to own a restaurant. So, um, oh, interesting. So th- there's always a trickle down effect. For yeah, sure. absolutely. So I think it's mm-hmm. maybe, I think it's overall a net positive for the industry, but you know, I don't pay much attention to it. Right. <laughs> you guys focus on your, yeah, I really don't. I, I watch some of the really well-produced shows, mm-hmm. Chef's Table and things like that are really interesting. And I have some and, friends that are really addicted to it. Like they just, yeah. they love the shows. It's never really been my, yeah. So I, I can't speak to it too well either. Yeah. I yeah. Lot, I don't spend a lot of time on it. I don't spend a lot of time on it either. I, I think also for me, it's like, uh, there is some things you can take from it that are really positive, uh, as somebody who's in the industry, but the ones that are, uh, focused around, uh, kind of the high impact, uh, uh, high stress, like the, yeah. the, the cooking shows and things. The, the drama factor. The drama factor. <laughs> drama I, stuff, it bleeds, I, it leads yeah. kind of thing. I have no desire to go from my super busy, super high stressful job and go home and watch my super high stressful, super ah! busy job on television. <laughs> like there's like zero. I need a juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Exactly. Give me some fantasy. <laughs> yeah, give me, give me some, yeah, I want to give me some escape. Um, so when it comes to like, well, we'll get some maybe some nitty gritty. What 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 do you like? Let's talk about the maybe the fun stuff. Or for me, sure. like, what's going on in like with cocktails? What, what's happening? Like get away from the people and get back to the actual drinks themselves. Yeah, it's uh, again like there's 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 some interesting trends going on. I think uh, not much has changed in regards to because I think that the greater market in a lot of markets still doesn't really. It's not like on their radar. Quite that so there's much. still so much, yeah. There's so still, much upswing. There's there. still a big focus on classics. Like I mean, if uh, if you look at, um, I think most bars across the world, even still, most people are coming in and still ordering an old fashioned, right? Like yep. they, they don't. Uh, they that's the as far as most people have delved into it. Um, I think that most bars are now moving away from uh, focusing on classics on their list and going to. Uh, House created drinks. You guys have recently done it. I'm not sure of the date. I noticed you retooled the menu at Proof yes. on cocktails, and it's yeah. significantly like someone who likes cocktails. It's it, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be and it's it's kind of overwhelming. Yeah, like a third of the third to two thirds of the year, I'll say two thirds. Be more honest with the ingredients I don't recognize. So there is a there is an intimidation factor. So then what do I order? I order a 
Manhattan with yeah. maybe a good bourbon or a good vermouth and like beef it up a bit. But I, I, I default back because I'm a bit intimidated. <laughs> so like our, our old list was spirit uh, divided by spirit type, yep. which is kind of a simple, easier way to, to get that, uh, that um, lack of pretension down through to the customer. I think we found that we had gotten ourselves to a point where uh, our staff were educated enough that uh, we could steer the guest uh, and went to this literary menu, which is... Um, well, there's a couple functional things behind the scenes as well. We used to have 45 cocktails on the list, okay. which people loved uh, and were impressed by a great deal, but it didn't do much for our costing. Um, <laughs> you would have to create syrups for drinks that maybe, honestly, uh, you'd maybe sell four of a month. So you're like, well, this isn't working. Logistically, so, it doesn't make sense. So we had to cut it down. Uh, so the new list has five sections of five cocktails. So it's 25 drinks. Um, that ensures that most of them are sold on a regular enough basis and that we can have uh, prep that is not overly prep heavy uh, and then perhaps going bad or we're not using it because we're not making the drinks. So right. there, was a, there was an operational functional side behind it. Uh, the other side is that the bartenders wanted to um, kind of get really creative and, and, uh, and then also focus on like drinks that inspired them and so one of the ways that we did they all were we're all readers which is i, I maybe a fluke uh i don't okay. know if it has something to do with the industry because i know that like a lot of people don't necessarily like to read but everybody in that uh bar uh were readers so we decided to go uh, with a menu focused on five literary genres and then we would plug mm -hmm. bartenders could pick a book within that genre uh that they loved and then create a cocktail based on a character or a a time or, or oh, so some real creative expression. Yep. Yeah. You, you, you elevating your, your, your team, but through real personal expression, totally trying to do that and to make it a little bit more creative. And it, it turned out great. I think it's, we also, it's spent, a lot of fun. I, I yeah, I liked yeah. it. I was just, I was kind of taken back, but then you pay it and you almost figure it out to be like, Oh, I see what's going on here. And like For as a sure. customer, it's a bit of a journey. It is a bit of a journey. And we have to make sure that we're handling that aspect of the journey properly in the space. Uh, and, uh, I hope that we are, and I think that we are, but it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, uh, a diversion like from what we were doing. Okay. So, um, yeah. And I think it's, we're four years old in May. So it was, uh, something for us. Not even a teenager yet. No, exactly. But in restaurant year, was that, does the restaurant years have like dog years? Yeah. yeah. Middle age. Middle basically. age in four years. Honestly, I, I think if you plan for your concept to last more than 10 years, you're, you're foolish. Uh, right. Because it's not likely to. There's those weird ones that jump to the fact that if you do change them eventually, then you're then everyone is in an uproar. But there's yeah. very few that make it down that path. Yeah, and I mean you got to make I think ongoing changes at all times. So this was one of them. Uh, a lot of great positives out of it. Mm -hmm. Some things that I'm looking at right now and going like, okay, well, there's some adjustments that maybe need to be made. But um, we focus more on that cocktail list than we have ever put any focus on any cocktail list in the past. Like six months of of going. Through oh wow! Okay, right on. And, and I mean, part of it was, which I had a lot of pushback from my former managers, but not my current GM. Uh, I was like, "Look, like I want these drinks to also look great." You know, like I mean, uh, because that's something that people do is take pictures of their drinks, and so it's yeah, a balance. Circle back to the social media element. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. it's a balance because I also happen to believe that, like, with food and cocktails. Um, simpler is often better uh, mm -hmm. and you don't need 15 20 ingredients to make a great cocktail often three will suffice and uh so but yeah still wanted it to be like more thoughtful uh and a little bit uh, uh bigger presence at the table during table presentation so i think you'll find that if you go there now um 
Uh, my reason I was there really last Friday or two Fridays ago, and it was I forget, one was blue and crushed ice, and it was really, and but it was interesting because we were kind of overwhelmed. And one of the gentlemen at the table asked, and your server was great. Like, well, yeah. what do you like? What's your what, what are you looking for? I want smoky. I want this, and she stewarded it, and yep. kind of makes me think back to your experience about talking about the wine of like, tell me the experience you want to have, what you like and dislike, and then I'll take you on that journey. Yeah, it shouldn't be work. I'm not the type. I don't know about you. I don't. I rarely, I should say, will read a menu in a restaurant. Uh, I. Almost always just acquiesce to the server, uh, especially if I'm confident. What's good here? Server. Bring me what you like. Yeah, I, I like this. I don't like that. Have fun. No allergies. No dietary yeah, restrictions. When I order, it's like, yeah, I, maybe it's a bit lazy, but it's also just like, take me on a journey. Like, what, what's good here? I, I don't think it's lazy. Good. I think it's, yeah, I think it's intelligent, first of all, because I think that that person, <laughs> if there's a little bit of a compliment yep. for you, but I think that it's that, that person <laughs> who works every day should know what's good. And, uh, and that's the type of service experience I like. And, and I'm lucky enough to have surrounded myself with friends that, uh, kind of feel the same way. And when, when we travel, um, like, I mean, well, I travel with my business partner all the time. Jesse and I travel all the time to eat and to drink and, uh, oh, re- research, research. That's right. Research. research. <laughs> Call it what you will. And, uh, whatever you want to write on that tactic sheet, it's fine for me. <laughs> that's right. So and we, often we will get there, look at a menu and be like, okay, so we need this and this, but that's what we want on the table. But right. outside of that, go crazy. And it's always, it always is a better experience. I think when it's driven by the people that are there. When you're going to a solid, when you're going to a solid place and the odds are everything on the menu is good. And if you're really open for flavors, it's a way, it's way more fun. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Just to speak selfishly. Well, and you get surprised, right? Uh, and, and you honestly will be getting what they believe to be the best dishes. And if you can get the sense that they care about their job, which I mean, most of these restaurants that we go to that's probably going to be the case or they wouldn't yeah. have gotten to where they've gotten to uh i think because well, you're searching out you're 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 going to the places to find yeah. out what they're doing get inspiration have a great time it's, it's it's a beautifully selfish career in that way <laughs> it is it is it really is it's a that's part of it um the eating part of it and the drinking good wine part of it uh should not be uh, undersold in, in why <laughs> I went into those industries. Some of the, few, sure. the joys of some of the foundational joys of life right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So curious question as we, as we, as we kind of roll to the end here, um, small business owner in, in Calgary these days. Yeah. There's been lots of, you know, he was a friend that I referenced to at his, his restaurant closed down. He really rallied against taxes and lack of like governmental support and felt that the small business weren't being protected. Curious. You got any, got any opinions on this? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think that he's probably right in a, in a, a lot of regards, especially in our industry. I don't think that there was much uh, industry. Uh, I don't think that they really paid much attention to our industry in particular uh, with that minimum wage hike. I'm all for uh, a living wage and a minimum wage hike. I was even for a minimum wage hike. Which I'm is just, where I've talked to a few restaurant owners and they, they wouldn't say they were against it, but it really, they felt they weren't consulted. They were just like literally. Absolutely. Just left out of the conversation completely. because yeah. we, we, we had what was, I think a, a very thoughtful, uh, structure which was like you could pay servers who were making quite a bit of money in tips and bartenders yeah. less um that's what we wanted uh it was like a tiered system i'm happy again to like i said uh, and frankly it didn't affect any of my kitchen staff uh because we paid them fairly already okay uh, going in ah, okay, so kudos. it was like okay, kudos for you guys but but you know th- again those those positions who don't make much in tips yeah i mean it's reasonable that they should receive Abs- the absolutely wage. but um that you know, like forcing a large part of your schedule to jump uh, drastic amounts in 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 wage uh, over two years was very difficult on the business. Uh, because most of these businesses, you have to understand, are operating at a break-even point. 
at good times. You know what right. I mean? Right. This, so, this isn't a get rich quick uh, model. Absolutely not. Uh, and so that kind of shock to the system, plus uh, the increase in property taxes, plus the increase in business taxes, it was very difficult to handle. And I just wish that it had been, um, I guess, done. Uh, a little bit more thoughtfully uh, mm-hmm. and, and over a longer period of time. But I think that you're dealing as often uh, you are dealing with in government uh, is governments who don't believe that their time in office is, it's limited. Uh, so yes. they try and push through their major... They look on shuts, such a short time horizon. Right, left, otherwise, it doesn't matter. They push through their major the initiatives in the first two years to get them on the table and to hopefully think that you've forgotten about them by the time this, the first election rolls around. And it is a cycle you can go back and monitor. It's a real thing. Oh, it's a real thing. And so we just got smashed with those. And, uh, you know, I should say our current premier, I'm really, I've told this to many people. I'm very honest about this. I don't mind talking politics. I think she's one of the most impressive leaders uh, from a leadership skill point of view mm-hmm. that we've seen in this province in a very long time. I just have some issues with some of the policies and how they've gone right. through. So, um, but yeah, like, I mean, here we are. We're going to see what the heck happens here. I know we're, we're bearing down on it right now, but yeah, <laughs> I know. Sure. It's, it's, it's a real thing. I, I, one thing I like to joke about, and it's kind of sad at the same time, like I'm way too young to say, remember, remember the good old days? Remember when Alberta <laughs> was great? Yeah, exactly. I'm not that old to say, that's an old guy thing to say. And at 45, For sure. I'm like... That was only a few years ago. Like, it was. You know, I, I want to go back to bragging to my family back. He's like, oh my God, we, no unemployment doesn't exist here. Things are amazing. That's it. And we, we, I do, I'm a huge Alberta proponent. I love it here. This is my home. Uh, but man, like we need to, we need to get ourselves back on the right track. Well, and I think that a lot of it has to do with, uh, well, frankly, people uh, like yourselves. Uh, I think that we are just starting to sell ourselves properly and sell our major industries properly. Um, it's been a, you know what? In the happy times, uh, when when government is on your side and uh, you're you're not having to worry too much about uh, public perception, mm-hmm. um, it got ignored. Uh, and so the oil and gas companies, uh, which drive this economy, kind of allowed this radical uh, view of the industry to gain a stronghold, especially outside of this province. Absolutely. And uh, that is a pervasive belief. I talk to people from out east that I highly respect as business people, um, and they have a very twisted idea about what happens in the oil and gas industry, and it's very frustrating. And if you pull back a few layers and want to get into some of the what could be going on, uh, arguably a very deliberate Campaign, yes, absolutely, like a, and a, a demarketing campaign. You know, if you well, uh, of like, it, they don't have these beliefs by accident. It's ideological, yes. uh, and they're they're you know composed of ideology and and not uh, any facts about the industry. And so, and you can tell that when you share facts because I was in the industry for eight years, um, and they are not received <laughs> at all. And so D- dismissed as as as, com- as as like foolishness actually. Well, as as opposing ideology. Yeah, I think. And so it's which uh, fires a you can argue with, <laughs> can argue with facts but never argue with beliefs. <laughs> exactly. And that's yeah. what it is. It's, yeah, it absolutely. Is, it is a belief structure and uh, it's a frustrating thing to try and attack. Uh, and you can only do it uh, with facts. 
Um, but when facts aren't received, uh, it becomes an even more frustrating. But it become, when it becomes a hearts and minds conversation, and when those hearts and minds have been influenced with someone who maybe had a different agenda, and you know, it's just not. I, I'm I really rally against this east west kind of divide that we like. We're so patriotic, but in a real isolationist kind of way, and that's not going to get us anywhere. Like, Absolutely not. It is. I lived through Quebec through some of the challenging times and beautiful province, amazing, amazing place to be. But living through referendums and living through things like that and seeing the negative, like nothing moves forward when that conversation is on the table. No. It's such a distraction and it's so counterproductive to talk like that. And, you know, as a whole, we need to look at this country as a unified front and we're not right now. No. And I think we need to send the message to, um, I think that division is, is an important uh, and unfortunate reality. Uh, I think that the, the way that we, if you want to call it marketing, but I'd, I'd like to say that we share the facts about what the industry means to the country is down to the individual level. And like, people have to understand that like, we're not out here in Alberta saying like, you need to do this for us. It's, you need to do it for yourself. I think sometimes that message gets twisted up a little bit. I think, and I don't think that that's no one in downtown Toronto, just picking out downtown Toronto. Mm -hmm. What's in it for me? How do we, at personal level? I agree exactly. with you totally. It's the only way to do it because ultimately we're selfish uh, creatures in, <laughs> well, yeah. on the whole. Uh, and uh, and it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, these, I love oil and gas too. And, and those things like those kinds of marketing campaigns, while I think starting to be more pervasive and, and getting a little bit more traction, I think that we need to really start being able to get facts into people's heads about how this affects their daily lives. And uh, it's the only way that you're going you're gonna to change people's minds, especially those who are comprised completely of ideology that is mm -hmm. maybe and I do believe that there is there you know there's always segments in our in our world we segment who's this audience and that audience and there's the ones that are on the extreme I'm not going to say left or right whatever side they're on mm -hmm. but I do believe that there is a lot of people and even family members but they just don't know like I didn't know anything about oil and gas till I moved out here and married my wife works in oil and gas and I was like oh wow like as a Quebecer I knew absolutely nothing oil and gas meant to me somehow just the price of gas at the pump there was no correlation to this mythical barrel like I had no relationship absolutely. whatsoever no absolutely I couldn't agree more and actually I was surprised. I was going into the industry. I was. I had uh, a little bit of um, trepidation and like kind of like a, a worry mm -hmm. that I was uh, going into this uh, big, messy, uh, just machine that was pumping. You know the resources. Yeah, out li literally pumping life out of the destroy, planet. And yeah, destroying everything. Rape, rape and pillage. <laughs> exactly. And then you look at it and you're like, oh my! Like I mean, the, the amount of regulations in this province. Like I mean, this is the cleanest oil you could possibly buy on the planet. That, our, our track a, record is very positive. Yes, and uh, and so if you are going to use oil or gas in your life, there's one place that should be at the top of the list uh, if you are ethical or if you believe yourself to be an ethical person where you would want to get it from. But right now we're still bringing tons of oil in from Saudi No, and it seems like we make every other decision that way. We want ethical farmed foods. We want local. We want every, But yet this story has somehow got flipped. It's gotten flipped big time. It's a problem. Uh, and we don't like to see a change. I mean, even down here at the hospitality industry, we are driven by, uh, I mean, obviously we, we, we grind and we try and find other ways, but, uh, when that industry is doing well, uh, we all do well. And yes, I think it diversification is important in this city. I would love to see some disruptor, uh, industries get in here and like really change, um, how this city makes its money, how this economy booms and busts if it's going to maybe stabilizes would be the ideal step, uh, step one step one um but you know it's not going to 
change overnight and we need to focus on what we're doing now. No, so. I think you made the comment earlier even about your own life. It's about balance. Yeah. And we were so off balance the other direction and, you know, oil and gas isn't going away and, you know, renewables and there's other things to look at, but it's all part of a broader picture. We've taken this like black or white, yes or no kind of mindset, which is just, it's just not realistic. No, and it's an overall, uh, not to go into another hour, but I think it's an overall problem that we have in society right now is uh, just attaching ourselves to beliefs uh, as opposed to listening to people and like trying to learn. And uh, it's a very frustrating wall to run into uh, with people. And I mean, the reason that you uh, don't talk about politics and religion at uh, a dinner table is because those are unfortunately beliefs uh as opposed to as opposed to like let's see if we can't find common ground there's no such thing as common ground in politics today and unfortunately religion uh kind of gets lumped in there too it does where it's like you're 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 for or against but there's a really intelligent and thoughtful middle ground uh in both of those subjects and i think you know the the idea that we can't or shouldn't be talking about them is wrong well Uh, it perpetuates the you know if you look at anything in society, the less you know about something, the way easier it is to be ignorant about it. Yeah. <laughs> like at the most simple, at the simple level, but we've somehow, and I think that, you know, don't talk about money, don't talk about politics, don't, like yeah. all those things that are incredibly important. And, you know, wh- when did it become so wrong for me, for you and I to disagree and not yeah. still be able to interact well, <laughs> as, exactly. as two successful human beings? Well, and that's it. And you've got people who, um, again, like uh, you get people who are pilloried for, uh, say, a view and you throw the baby out with the bathwater because the overall you know, collection of their views are quite solid. And, but then one view gets thrown out or one thing gets said, and this person is a pariah. And it's, uh, yes. it's, it's that outrage culture thing that is uh, extremely unfortunate. It's just a lack of uh, resonance and in, in intellect and listening, using your ears instead of Stop being so easily offended. (laughs) I'm offended that you're offended. (laughs) On that note, before we kind of rip into another hour, thank you so much for sharing the story. And if anyone has not uh, graced any of your establishments, I I give them five stars right across the board. Thank you. I hope that they will visit us soon. Thanks for coming in. It was a great chat. Thanks, Tyler. Cheers.